You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello, hello. Hey, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday. All right. Uh, Brad Wren. Hey, everyone. And John Curley. Hey, iRacers. Welcome to my world of COVID. Oh, ouch. And Mackenzie Stevens. Hey, how's it going? Better than John. On the show today, you can now walk every track configuration in all of iRacing. We'll share some tips on how you might be better enjoy your iRacing experience, and we'll check out the newly released 2024 season of iRacing special events. Yeah, that's right, Mike. And if you uh, join us at iRacesLounge.com and select Show Notes, you'll be able to see all of these great stories and products we'll be discussing on today's show. So log in there, check it out, and we'll see you there at uh, iRacesLounge.com. Team Conti Sim Performance, connecting oval sim racers with some of the best to have competed at the highest level of eNASCAR competition. From our wide variety of setup offerings to our coaching services that help racers reach their fullest potential, TCSP is data-driven, people-focused, and ready to help you fight to the top of the iRacing oval ladder. Check us out at www.teamconti.gg. some news about Draftmaster and Ringmeister. Uh, this has probably already happened since we're actually in season one now. So the tents on the on the on the text is a little off. They're now running fixed series or fixed setups instead of uh, open setups. Do we think that'll well, help with participation? Oh yeah. I mean I'll participate now probably. Uh, that was been that was the problem with this series all along is I had to have a setup, you know, and and if you didn't have a setup, and I tried it without, a, you know, using the fixed setup that iRacing provides, you just it's just not up to par to everyone else's open, and everybody knows it, and so it really made it hard for people that wanted to participate participate. Now I did for a couple weeks. I think the first one and the second one, I kind of went halfway and. And then when that uh, one car came uh, that I'm really good at, the Gen 5, I actually had a set from when I ran and hosted with Chris McGuire because um, they would use a specific set for that car, and I, I saved it. and So that was perfect for that. Um, but now that it's it's at uh, you know fixed setups, I think I'm going to be a regular participant, like at least weekly. Well, I think it seems to me to be a good move. You know, I was... Uh, doing it with the open setup but i was buying a setup now you know i can i can do this without paying for it or taking the time to set up a car and everybody's on equal footing so yeah good move yeah i was actually really surprised when this first came out that it wasn't fixed setup but um it seems to make more sense as a fixed setup thing because it almost dies a little bit more towards like um you know the cups type stuff and 
the you know the trucks series that's like that so to me it seems like it's more suited for fixed racing than it is for people whipping out setups yeah most of the time i prefer open setup but in something where you're changing cars every week that's that is kind of a different story because it's it's not like you can be familiar with exactly what to do on every car with setup they they have their different idiosyncrasies so it, it nobody's really going to be building a setup probably for every car except for your setup aliens so not it's just definitely not a bad idea um somewhere greg uh, west i can't find it now said you know that there was a technical reason they couldn't do it fixed setups when they initially rolled it out like technically they couldn't do it and what's happened is this release they've changed the code in a way that makes it possible to do fixed setups with changing the car every week in other words they didn't have time to figure it out last time they just threw it out there yeah and and you know it's not it's it, you know i don't mind that either just to see what sticks you know and and I think it was popular enough um, that it's going to stick. And so uh, I like it. I think it's a, it's a new flavor of racing, you know, it, that they've been bringing in where you have different cars uh, on the same kind of tracks, like in, in this case, Draftmeister on draft tracks. But, um, you know, the ones that change tracks and cars are pretty wild, too, on the roadside. Will, will these races be any cleaner, though? No. No. Because <laughs> you'll have more guys bunched up. Be in front of the rack, get up front, you know. That's the trick. Another, another thing, I think uh, the fixed setups make the qualifying tighter, too. Um, because I think that makes the biggest difference in, in super speedways is is, uh, is the qualifying when you have uh, good setups. So uh, without that, I think the qualifying is going to be a lot tighter. How many of you guys like to go for walks on tracks? Never really had the opportunity, but I guess you uh, you can. I've walked dirt tracks before because you know they, they're so they change so much. But yeah, but go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead with the story then. So uh, there's a program out there called uh, I rtrackwalk.com and we've talked about this before and it actually lets you uh, virtually go step by step through tracks like you're walking through it um, and uh, they are announcing now that they now are completely uh, up to date with all of iRacing's tracks and configurations of their tracks so uh, everything everything on there is available that um, is in iRacing so if, if that's something that you like to do um, to to walk around the track kind of look at different corners do the, those kind of things um i irtrackwalk.com can let you do that and and you can do it for any track now so not being a vr guy is this through the game or is this something separate i'm doing it right now in the browser you go to the website irtrackwalk.com you pick which one and uh, i'm literally at atlanta 2008 oval on the front stretch right at the checkered uh start finish line and it's an eye racing view of the track um but that's what they've done is they've documented every view and it's kind of like a google maps thing where you can spin around in a circle and then you can move forward you can move backwards you can move up and down you know that kind of thing now, is this valuable for an iRacer? I don't know. I, I don't know that it is. Um, I think track walks are traditionally done in in motorsports by real drivers. Just 
for familiarity you know they they want to go look at the surface to, oh is there any potholes you know that kind of thing i mean if i was racing an indie car at detroit i think it's a good idea you know if you're an indie car driver the day before or the night before take a bike ride or take a walk down the track just kind of look at the surface and look at anything maybe uh are there different you know markers you know lots of times you use stuff on the side of the tracks as uh, as braking markers and whatnot i don't know how much you can really learn though from walking because you think about the drastic different in the pace yeah but from a real car a real driver perspective you know i only go to detroit once a year i haven't even seen it yet i just i just got in from the airport you know this is my first chance to see the track i'm going to do it i understand why they would do it I don't think I don't understand why an iRacer would do it though. Yeah, yeah like I, mean, I said. I can... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, if you remember when they went to Chicago, you know, they did multiple track walks. Um, and I like what Mike said, if you're going someplace you've never been before, um, to be actually to get out and walk it, you know, see the corners and get a better understanding, as opposed to being in a car or a pace car just making laps. Right, and like I, like I said originally, um, in dirt dirt racing track walks are actually very important to see see the condition of the dirt, where the moisture is. You can do all that stuff. Even the guys who were doing the Bristol dirt race in NASCAR were were doing track walks quite a bit to see where see what the condition of the track was and what to look out for. Um, but again, is it really important in eye racing, even in dirt? Not, I wouldn't say really, but but it's it's interesting and. Um, it does maybe give you some neat views and different layouts that you might want to check out. Well, why don't we go ahead and walk right into the next topic, Brad? We have tips to enjoy eye racing. Yeah, so um, Kevin Bulhalasa, I probably didn't say that right, uh, put together a list of uh, several of useful tips to enjoy eye racing. Um, so he says, with so with a with a with a new year and a new season coming up, here's some useful uh, tips in order for you to enjoy eye racing. Uh, right off the top, you know, don't race with your eye rating or safety rating in mind. Um, you know, when it comes time to racing, just race. Uh, don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. Um, you know, again, remember everybody's human. That's the the one thing that um, sometimes I think we forget that you are racing against other people and they make just as many mistakes as, as you make. Um, you know, don't lose, don't worry about uh, if you're gonna lose eye rating, safety rating. If you're lucky, uh, it's just gonna happen. Um, you get wrecked, you get wrecked. Um, you know, went on to talk about a little, um, you know, invest in a triple triple screen setup or, or even a direct drive wheel uh, if you can. You know, it's expensive, but the immersion comes in, um, you know. And again, sometimes just don't take it too serious. Um, you know, not everybody's going to become a pro driver just because you're driving iRacing. So I, I think it's good. I mean, sometimes I think we need to be reminded that, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, the car that made you bad, there's a person behind the wheel. Um, if you've never driven in real life, um, you know, there's the keyboard warriors that you can get mad. But as somebody who has raced uh, competitively, when you've got to look at that person in the pits after the race, uh, it makes you change what you do. Yeah, it's a good list. I, I think uh, anyone new to iRacing should take a look at that and just soak that in a little bit because it's really food for thought. Um, the part about you know don't get hung up on winning you know you're going to have fun racing for 15th you know sometimes the best racing is when you're back in the pack and sometimes you're not going to be up front depending on what split you're in you know hey i get a little irritated when people say why are you racing for 14th 
it's, it's a race. Right. <laughs> you race for every spot. Yeah, I mean, one thing he did say is, you know, go back and watch your replays, especially if you're wreck. You know, you can learn from that. Um, I try to remember to save all of mine, um, especially if something happened. But then again, it's just another opportunity to learn. If I got caught up in something, you know, what could I have done to, to maybe not put myself in that spot? So it's easy to blame somebody else, but there's times where we put ourselves in a position where we probably shouldn't have been. Yeah, I, we do that a lot in our chat. I, I, I do a race, I get wrecked. I put the video in the chat so you guys can dissect it. You know, did I screw up? Did the other guy just blow it? You know, what happened? Could I have done something different? And so, yeah, I do that a lot. So the, the first one that Kevin mentions, you know, is don't think about I rating or safety rating, but I, you know, gosh, I think 99% of us probably do. I know I do. I shouldn't, but I do. Yeah, I don't guilty. think about it much. <laughs> I mean, I'm guilty of it. Um, you know, since getting back on the service back in the middle of the summer, um, have not had a very good go of it. And a lot of that's just, it's been a long break and getting racecraft back. And, you know, I've been actually apprehensive sometimes to race because I'm too afraid I'm going to lose <laughs> our rating. I think as a veteran, and David, you tell me if I'm wrong, you're not worried, worried about SR at all. I mean, unless it becomes a problem, like you're about to lose your license or something. But but otherwise, SR is just out of the picture completely. But IR, you're aware of it because it places you in what split you're in. And so that's the, the importance of the IR. And, and obviously that's important. But the SR, I've, I've like given up even thinking about it. Unless you spend a week at Martinsville and, and get hammered. Because um, I had to watch it after Martinsville for quite a while. With I rating, you get to a point where you stop watching every little individual fluctuation. I never go back and look at every race and say, oh, no, I lost 70 that time or I gained 82 that time because it, it mostly balances out. But you do notice if you go on a really bad streak or good streak, you know, like lose a thousand over the summer, something like that. You know, one of the other things he said was invest in a triple setup cockpit and direct drive wheel um I, I might take exception to that just a little bit because we've got listeners out there who can't afford that and uh you don't have to have those things to race this sim and have fun so you know don't don't think that you're going to become an outstanding driver if you've got those things because you know that's not going to automatically make you better you can still have fun if you don't have those things so don't don't think you're you're not up to par if you can't get those those uh, peripherals. I think I, you're spot, spot on. Um, anybody wants to look and see what Ty Majeski still races with? That's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna just say. Ty Majeski. Ah, ah, I won't go with that argument though. Ty Majeski is an except is the exception. When I've gotten better equipment, it's made up for my amateurness. Okay, a pro can be good on anything, but and that, it can make a difference on at the amateur level when when you jump up to either hydraulics or load cell pedals or the direct roll drive or the VR. It 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 can remove something that's holding you back essentially. Whereas Ty could probably race with a controller, and because he's just you know an alien. That that David hit is also right because. When I moved from a G27 to the hydraulic brake pedals, my performance in road went up immensely. 
and you know just from that equipment change so um so it can't happen with that but but everyone's right here because of the time ajeski rule um and that could be a title idea the time ajeski rule look he had an old laptop he had a, an old g25 i don't think it was a g27 and a desk and that was it and and he ran himself up to 10,000 i rating on oval with that equipment i don't know i think some of your opinions might be a little bit biased what do you, what do you think john or or do you just think uh, we might need to break the bias well yeah dj ej did a did a video uh and his his title there was i racing you're a liar and i'll pr i'll prove it with science so he had done a uh, a video not too long ago that suggested that if you uh, change your brake bias you could maybe fix an oversteer problem if i remember right if that's what it was uh he thinks he's right you know he went back at iRacing on this that's crazy so he he's saying that you can change your brake bias on an oval that you're not using brakes on and it will change how the the car drives so yeah. like when, when you guys ask me the brake bias when we're at michigan uh, I'm like, well, does it matter at Michigan? But uh, but that's kind of what he was talking about because he would always change it and feel like it's doing something to the car. Yeah, so uh, I, I watched this video. It was pretty interesting. Uh, so he 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 put in that post that if you if you increase, I think it was if you increase the front brake bias, the car tightens up on an oval track, you know, even though a brake bias should not have any, if you're not really on the brakes, you should not really have any, um, change in handling so uh later somebody from iRacing posted that yeah no you're crazy it doesn't affect uh it doesn't affect the, the handling of the car at all so he did a blind test where where three people submitted um setups for him to put in his car he didn't look at the bias and he didn't look at the bias and he ran each three sets and tried to guess whether it was with the high brake bias or with the low base brake bias based on what he was feeling so he did like a blind study and um and at the end you know he revealed whether he looked at it and fi to find out if he was right or not and all three of them he was wrong so he, he thought the first first one he tried felt tight he thought it was going to be the high bias the next two he thought was looser and he thought it was with the lower bias everything else was the same track conditions temperature everything else was the same and he and and the three guesses he made were all wrong so i think i think he kind of conceded that yeah maybe it's just a placebo effect that you know you you know you turn out the brace bias you think it makes the car tighter and so you feel like it's tighter when it's actually not i mean in all fairness in the video he had them he had them backwards on what if it would tighten or loosen but the car did look like it was driving completely different on them like with the the really high brake bias it looked super loose and when it was a low brake bias that car was really tight and you could tell driving so just from that video it looks like it does make a difference now what way it goes you'd have to play around with i guess but right you're right and he did it by he, himself it's it was still placebo effect even in this test even though he, he doesn't know what it was it was still placebo effect he was basically probably guessing and then within a lab or two he's like i think it's loose and he would drive it to make it loose whether he right, right. It or not 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost like he he proved the opposite, if anything, <laughs> that uh, that the it was a uh, it was tightening him up when he was lower on brake bias. But either way, I think you're right, David. I think it was mostly placebo effect involved. I don't think it really had anything to do with the the brake bias changing the handling. Does Does anybody remember why he thought this in the first place? Why he thought it was going to make a difference? Um, I'm not, I don't remember other than I think some people were just playing around with it and that's what their observations were. I don't think there was anything, um, anything in there that he tried to do. I just thought maybe it was happened by accident on this. Yeah. I mean, cause it, it shouldn't make any difference, but, and I'm not a programmer, I'm not a coder. I don't, I don't really understand how it could matter if you're not using brake. Well, it shouldn't. And unfortunately, through the years of iRacing, there's always been concerns of exploits and whatnot. So we'll get into that, I think, some little bit later uh, in the show. But uh, yeah, there's always been a concern about an exploit of some sort, and someone's found something that works. Yeah, because, you know, we're, we're talking about a simulation. It's not real, real effects that are happening. It's simulated effects done in computer code. And, you know, if, if a code is has some kind of um, way that it can be uh, manipulated, that wouldn't necessarily work in real life. You know, people might find it. And, and you know, we see that happening in, in other ways. Well, we do know, though, that any time an exploit does get found, they sure do get right to the point and delete it. So we'll move on to the next topic, Mac, and talk about the deleted track at Summit Point. Yeah, so uh, DJ UJ posted a video um, saying the track, uh, it's called the Summit Point, so it's a right-hand oval. He's saying it's the only track uh, to ever be permanently deleted. Um, I haven't actually watched this video, but is this a real track or is this just something they kind of made out of Summit Point? Um, so this is uh, obviously Summit Point's a real track, and this is a uh, turn one and two on the on the the main track, which is a uh, two right hand turns, and it kind of um, if you use the pit road. Um, um, access road, it makes it an oval, and that's what he they were they originally set up. But if I understand correctly from his video, there was an issue with the pit lanes because it kind of messed with the pit lanes, and you could not get out of your pit lane properly, and that's why I think they deleted it. Yeah, he had a footage of of somebody who ran it before that happened, um, and he put that guy's name in there. Uh, but yeah. The, when you get in there now you get stuck in the pits or, or something because of the pit problem so yeah that's the that's what he says so did dj just run it even though it's not a real configuration did he just kind of cut you the can't track? run it i he don't tried think you can to, run I think, it but yeah you can't run it now where you used to have it as a separate configuration oh and his titles are a little deceptive then because he said so how did i get on it but you can get to it it's just it's not raceable all right, Brian, we got some charity talk next. Yeah, so one of our favorite uh, series, like we we like to talk about, the Moon Car series that has uh, the crazy announce team. Um, and it has a lot of actually uh, really good drivers in it as well. Um, they actually had a fundraiser for the Marine Toys for Tots campaign and actually have raised over $9,000. And even Dale Earnhardt Jr. posted on um I think it was on Twitter uh, that, uh, you know, giving them praise for, for hitting the $9,000 mark in donations. So pretty cool to see. 
Yeah, that's a, quite a charity. I mean, we see these a lot, but not for that much money. So uh, well done. Yeah, if anybody's interested, you can uh, basically go to toysfortots.org and uh, chip in. It's that time of year. Yeah, it's just another reason to to like Mooncar. I mean, aside from their their awesome announced team, um, they're actually doing good work. I think I remember Justin a couple of weeks ago said he he'd like to try to get in, and if he could, uh, I would be awesome if he could get in there. Well, it is that time of season, right? Everybody's probably trying to get their their shopping done, unless they like to wait till the last minute. And random call sign, he's posted a video of great gift ideas for sim racers. And I just took a quick glance, and you've got everything from gloves to socks. Uh, I think the two best ideas in here were a back pillow that kind of helps with the lower back pain. And he actually, the last thing he covered, I believe, was a stream deck. Yeah, and I actually put in there, I think, a track day uh, as well. So if you can convince your wife of that. There was also Lego models of different cars. Now, Brad, didn't you get an early Christmas present already and got one of these on the list? I got some some new gloves from uh, Moradness, so used them last night. Very good. Well, I, my wife already gave me a sim rig for Christmas. Man, she's a sweetheart, so uh, I don't need to ask for anything else. Uh, she she was good to me. Are you going to put a bow on it and stick it under the tree, though? Or? No, it's already in its resting place. I, I can't. I, I could put a bow on it. I just can't move it anywhere. You know, but I will say he did give some good points, you know, when it came to shoes or socks, uh, suggestions there. I mean, even whether it's water shoes, um, you know, some people use carding shoes. I use carding shoes myself. I found some rather inexpensive ones on Amazon um, after using some Sim shoes that I bought, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, but we're starting to dry rot. Um, gloves, stuff like that. So, I mean, good video to watch if you're thinking about some of those things. Um, you know, not just a, you need it, but he actually gave a little bit of feedback as well. Ironically, though, how many how many significant others are probably listening to the podcast? Or, or are we just telling all of our listeners what to ask their, their SOs for? Yeah, what to ask for. Absolutely. That's what you do. You got to get them a list. Just just text them that, that I'll link to that video. All right, Mike, next up we've got something of a, about a, the advanced sim racing event. Well, it's a Tony Kanaan event, really. Um, and, and in conjunction with advanced sim racing at his new Tony Kanaan eSports headquarters, you remember about a month or so ago, he gave us a video of this room. Uh, it's in Indianapolis, I understand, where he lives. It's like a large garage that he's converted into a sim den. And he's got like, I don't know, 10 sims in there right now. And he had an open house uh, because they had the big industry show PR, PRI, I guess it's called. Um, a lot of people were in town for that. So uh, it looked like he hosted all his friends uh, and family over there. And he's got a large group of 40, 50 people. They're having a party. Everyone's racing. Uh, Tony's the host. And, you know, in the last video, he said, hey, nobody's going to be invited. And so I guess he was fibbing. I see Dan Suzuki there, too. One of the rigs had the uh, the uh, active pedals. You know, I've watched quite a bit of 
and odd stuff and just uh, what a good ambassador for Zeb Racing as somebody who's come from the real world um, and then really firmly believes in it and is, and is standing behind it I know we've got another story a little bit later but uh, just I, I think just a just a good ambassador for, for what we enjoy doing and another person that kind of makes a connection between the real world and, and sim world he's also always been pretty chill anytime I've come across him in a uh, in an IMSA race and I think he's a good tie-in for the manufacturers as well brad like advanced sim racing simucube uh micro center gomez wheels i mean tony Kanon has got his name on all that stuff um and, and and there's a reason he's an indy 500 winner you know he's marketable you know sim racers know who he is uh if he says hey i race with the, this wheel it's good you know you're gonna believe it yeah, funny little comment. Um, I always see him um, when he's on Twitch, and my wife knows him. I always call him, her out in the garage and ask her what he's saying because that's her native language, Portuguese, what he speaks. And so when he's on Twitch, is he just blabbing in Portuguese mostly? or? Oh, yeah, he's talking. Uh, and I always say, what is she saying? Or what is he saying? And she's like, I think he's saying overtake. <laughs> well, nothing lasts forever, Mackenzie. Yeah, uh, Monday Night Racing put out a Twitter post here, or I guess an X post, sorry, um, saying that this will be their last season uh, for the long-running series. Um, they're saying, so this is their seventh season. He's uh, yeah, basically just saying thanks for the incredible years, um, saying he's going on to new things. Uh, has anyone here actually ran in this series? No, no, it's mostly for industry insiders. Not so industry real life people. Real life racers and crew chiefs and crewmates and, and such. Yeah, this guy's name is Ford Martin. And he was the guy who was in charge or of this or admin of that league. And he's hanging it up. Yeah, you know, a lot, you know, leagues are hard. It's like curtain cats, people. Um, if you run a league, it's hard. This is hard work. Um, and so nobody can last forever in leagues. It seems like there's only a few, <laughs> uh, and you thought that this one might because of the notoriety they have, like Kyle Bush, you know, running every night, you know, and stuff like that. They had Kyle Bush on the regular and, um, a lot of, like David said, industry people names you might recognize. And so they had broadcast and it was quite popular. So, uh, but it's gone. Yeah, I can, you know, from experience back in the late 90s and then early 2000s, uh, ran a, in our 2003 league. And uh, it's a lot of work. I mean, we didn't do broadcasting stuff like that, but just to, to keep stuff organized, points and all that stuff, it's just, it's a it's a lot of work. A lot of people don't realize how much uh, time and effort goes into to, to doing a, a league and doing it right. Well, where one place is shutting down, another place looks to be expanding. Podium Sports is looking for producers to work on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Producers. So that's usually like uh, camera work, like you're working the cameras, the camera shots, or you're working the graphics that are overlays and that kind of thing. Overlays either that are actually managing the, actually running the cameras during a race, right? While somebody Maybe else is doing something. They, uh, Brad there's... was saying organizing drivers and getting artwork, uh, you know, uh, paints, so, you know, for the cars, right? That kind of stuff. 
Yeah, the, the email is Ryan at Podium Esports, and it does say on the tweet, please include an example of previous production work. So no rookies, I guess. Look, there's a lot of ways to, to be involved in sim racing. Um, and I, I actually tell everybody, look, try some different stuff. Go to try spotting. Spotting is so much fun for me. When I spot Justin to a win, and I've done that before, it's a blast. I mean, like I have as much fun as he does. When I when he wins, it's like I win. Try it. It's it's a blast. Be you know, be your TJ majors, or do this. Get into production on the broadcast side. I, when I first got into iRacing, I actually did announcing where I was in the booth being a commentator i was actually pretty good at it um but i you know i wanted to drive more than i wanted to call the race and eventually that that took over and so i quit but i i wouldn't change that for for the world it was a neat experience and i really liked trying to you know to pretend to pretend to be mike joy you know and call a race all right justin you snuck in a little late why don't you tell us a little bit about the contest for season one uh, yeah, David, uh, iRacing posted a new contest that are available in season one series and I was going through it and how to enter you, uh, race in a Mustang skip barber challenge fix or the skip barber race series in season one, 2024, you must race in at least 10 out of the 12 weeks, the winner from each division from season one. 2024 will win a one-day pass at the Skip Barber Racing School. That's just one of a dozen different contests. So you just read off one of them, but there's a bunch of them as you go down the page. Uh, you have to run a paint. You have to participate in a particular series, you know, that kind of thing. And so if you run officials, I mean, you should really take a look at this. Get these logos on your cars. Make some starts in these series just to be eligible, you know, for, for trying to win some of this. They have some really good hardware here, too. Yep, from Sim Magic, Rick Motek, uh, you know, DOF Reality, Next Level, so Sim Lab. I think someone can win an actual uh, a rig. So, yeah, I mean, it's good to see, uh, you know, other uh, manufacturers, companies like that, um, you know, supporting uh, iRacing. Yeah, and these things are easy to do. You just put their... Uh put their logo on your car and run the races. I mean, just keep them on there for the season and you got a chance to win. Yeah. 10 official races in the, in the whole season. Um, just having the logo on the car. That's it. Now the my curiosity gets me on this, but, um, you know, I know you can go into the paint shop and you can, you know, slap the logo on your car. So maybe this doesn't matter, but, how do they know you've got it on the car? I mean, are there there stats somehow that iRacing keeps on that? Yeah, like you said, you're doing it right in the sim, John. You're putting the logo on the car in the sim. So I think they have a report or something that shows that. Yeah, it's going right into their database. It's not like trading paints. It's it's directly through the, the iRacing interface. So we've we've talked about this before, but I'll say it again. The lady who puts on the contest from iRacing named Angela, she's gotten into arguments with people when they ask, well, what if I'm running, you know, trading paints for that car? Does that mean I'm not eligible? And she basically said, no, you're not. 
Um, and I disagree with that. I, I don't think iRacing can track whether you're using trading paints or not. The way she says it was, if you're running, so so like on this particular one, the next level racing, it's Street Stock Series C. And I have to run their logo for 10 races in season one for that series. So what I'm saying is, what she's saying is that if I can, you put the logo on your car, but you turn on trading paints and you have a different paint that you're running in trading paints, you're not going to be eligible. And I disagree with her. I don't think she knows what she's talking about because I don't think iRacing is looking at if you're running a trading paints paint. Well, that's exactly why I asked the question, Mike, is because a lot of us run trading paints. And I thought, well, how are they going to know, you know, am I really running that logo or not? You know, and if I'm in trading paints, I'm not running that logo. Yeah. No, I mean, again, it's if I don't know how many people use trading paints, but at the end of the day, you know, buy recent paint shop is there. Put the logo on there. You'll be fine. Um, uh Again, I agree with Mike. I don't. I'm not quite sure. I think she's quite confused, to be honest with you. Um, you know, for me personally, I usually try to find a scheme or something that's in the paint shop that looks as close to what I race, and then I'll put on whatever logos I want to put on. But uh, I mean, there's probably I, I don't know what the percentage of rye racers actually use trading paints. It'd be interesting to know. But I would probably think that it's not as high as we may think. And they're going to see the other people will see that logo in the the original paint uh, when they don't have trading paints installed. You know, uh, they're going to see that logo. And so, yeah, I, I think she's just mixed up there. So um, right. Tuesday night was the E-NASCAR Invitational. Um, E-NASCAR held their pro-invitational event at the LA Coliseum. Uh, and Anthony Alfredo went to took the victory. So what they did was, uh, was pretty cool. So this was uh, uh, NASCAR drivers from uh, the, all of the different NASCAR sanctioned series around the, the world. Um, they ran a race at the uh, LA Coliseum. Then they went and ran um, in the indie version of Brands Hatch. Uh, so it was really cool. I mean, NASCAR Mexico, Brazil, Europe, um, you know, really, really cool. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was in it. Uh, Anthony Alfredo, Ray, Raj Carruth, as far as some notable NASCAR local guys. Um, really a pretty, pretty neat event. I sat and watched it, um, made the wife watch half of it. Um, so, but it was, it was good. Um, and I think we ended up seeing also that, uh, you know, I think I, Message to the group that Josevar was being Josevar. He uh, he turned junior and uh, you know doing Josevar things. So, but uh, uh, who does Josevar drive for? Uh, you aspire now. Um, I watched this too, Brad. With uh, while well, you and your wife are watching, I watched it on the big screen. Actually, it was great, and I had a had a lot of fun watching uh, the oval part, and then I watched the uh, the road part at Brands Hatch. There was this guy from Brazil, NASCAR Brazil, and he was quick. And he he was like fourth or fifth, and he was able to drive up to the lead and, and take it from Anthony Alfredo. Even though Anthony didn't make any mistakes and, and was quite quick, this guy was a tenth or two quicker. Yep, and when they were interviewing him in post-race, um, he's a guy from Brazil who, the way that I took the interview was started on what it says sim racer and has had the opportunity to now to do it for real. So uh, it was it was a pretty neat event. Yeah, Jeff Giassi was his name. Very impressed with Jeff Giassi. Um, 
It was fun to see him take on Anthony. You know, with Anthony winning the first heat uh, and then him finishing second in the second, he basically won the overall championship, as they call it, uh, you know, the overall for both events. It was pretty neat, too. They ended up, Junior got wrecked out of the, the Coliseum race in the uh, and didn't make the transfer. So uh, it was pretty neat. They included him on the broadcast team. So for, for, for us guys that like looking at other equipment, it was pretty neat to see what some of these guys were, were using. So that was pretty neat. Yeah, it was neat to see Junior in the booth. And Evan Pasoko was setting him up with, you know, really good commentary. Like he was telling us, you know, well, well, you got to get down to the apron and it gets tight and you got to wait to power off that corner. You know, he's given us really detailed, you know, what are the drivers going through or, or thinking about, you know, as they go through this great event, great event. It was good. It's good to see Anthony continue to, to dominate on the E side. Uh, uh, he has, he's had to drop down to trucks in real life, hadn't he? No, he's got to ride it with a uh, pure motorsports and Xfinity this year. Our, our motorsports. Hour, yeah, that's good to hear. Then next was a quick hit. So a video introducing the Autodromo Internazionale del Maguello or Magello. Yeah, I haven't driven this track yet, but man, it looks nice. Uh, the foliage looks great on it. Looks like a fun track to drive for the road racers. Does this track exist in other sims like in the past? Like I've driven it on a different sim at some point and I, I probably would recognize it once I get on it. I just can't from the video. Not sure. Uh, enough. It looks really narrow. I mean, it looks hard to pass to me. Um, well, haven't a lot of the, some of these more recent tracks been um, either MotoGP. Um, some of these tracks are, you know, predominantly MotoGP. Yeah, this track is that um, this is a very popular with the motorcycles. Uh, but, you know, obviously F1 doesn't go there. Uh, I actually did try this track within the Ferraris. And um, I'm not I'm not very good at o or road racing, but I was not fast on this track at all. It's it it's fun to drive. I just can't find speed on it. I was like two, three seconds slower than everybody else. But um, it's not as narrow as it looks. Like if you look farther on in the video when the cars are actually going, you can fit three wide in most of the track. It's actually decently wide, but it is a fun track to drive, and it does look really nice. It looks like it does have a really long straight, too. Yeah, the final straight's pretty long. All right, Brian, let's see if you understand this transition. Woo, woo. Um, no, I get the woo part, but not the second wheel. So, uh, read, the, and, read the header. Yeah, I still don't get it. Second race in a row. Ah, I got you. Uh, I got you. You know, it's anyway, a bad joke when you have to explain it. Uh, yeah, that was, that was went over my head like an airplane there. Um, so anyway, uh, week five. Yeah, that's right. Monday night, week five in the World of Outlaws uh, Thrust Master Sprint Car Series. They were at I-55 Speedway, owned by Kenny Schrader. Um, and it's a, it's a smallest track that they're going to race on all year. Uh, but it is has wide and banked turns. So um, it did... Does does have some really good racing in it. They're they're running like nine and a half second laps in this thing, so um, the racing went by pretty quick. Even though there were a couple of uh, cautions, but in the end, uh, Kenny Miller, who uh, won last week at, at um, 
Lincoln Speedway uh, wins two in a row now. So uh, that's two, in a, two second win in a row for Kenny Miller. Uh, second place was Hayden Cardwell. Uh, Kenny Miller was uh, pretty much wire to wire with this one, so it wasn't a whole lot of dramatics in it. Um, Noah Carpenter finished third. Uh, so um, Alex Bergeron, uh, he had his trouble. He was actually in the mix in the top, uh, top 10 and uh, wound up tagging the inside wall uh, on his own. Just, uh, just misjudged the turn because he was running so close to the wall on the bottom line. Wound up finishing dead last another feature so he he didn't gain hardly any points at all um so a tough week for him again these this uh this points c series is is just completely up for grabs um nobody's taking control of it um uh even though kenny miller has won uh two two races in a row now he's not even in the top 10 in points because he's had such a bad start to the season but uh right now in the lead is uh ryan avilia he's uh right behind him is aiden forster and tyler Shell is in third in points. Tyler Shell is the returning champion from last year. Um, Alex Bergeron, who is always in the hunt, is actually down in eighth place right now. So uh, he's got some work if he wants to try to repeat as a, uh, a four-time Sprint Car Series champion. So, yeah, uh, they're going to take two weeks off for uh, Christmas and New Year's coming up. I'm sorry. No, they're going to be in Knoxville next week, and then they take two weeks off. So one more week before the break for holidays uh, at the Knoxville uh, Super Speedway there. So uh, looking forward to that race. It'll be a lot of fun. That's That race is really great for uh, high-line racing. Um, we've had some great races there in the past, and I look forward to seeing how this thing shakes up. Like I said, it's anybody's game right now. This is going to, this is going to come down to the last week. I'm almost positive. The, the people up front are like top tenning it you know they're you know you got people up here in the top five that haven't won and the people that have won are not even in the top 10 and points and i mean it, it seems like if you win you you're you're having trouble too you're right you're right mike um i don't think there's a race winner in the top top seven points uh eighth place is alex and he's i think he's the highest in the points right now with a with a race win so it's crazy Right. And he's yeah, had, that's what I was and he's had two. Say, yeah. yeah, he's had two race wins, and he's only in eighth place. Are they going to start crying for a win in your in format? Not in this series. I mean, it's pretty yeah. short and sweet. So, yeah, it's, there's no there's no um, playoffs or anything like that. It's just straight points for ten weeks. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Looks like right now there's a really good chance of a first time winner of this series coming up. All right, Brad, next up, it looks like we've got a video that basically recaps the the 2024. Wait, did I skip? I did skip. I was jumping ahead. So we'll jump back and talk, talk about the special events instead. Yeah, so iRacing has released the 2024 special events calendar. Uh, a lot of good stuff on here this year. Um, as an NIS guy, I'm glad to say that we're not going to run a full distance at Phoenix. That's much appreciated. Um but we got a full distance brickyard, which is pretty cool. So uh, from the Roar, starting in January uh, to the Daytona 24 hours, yeah, the typical the 500, Bathurst, um, you know, six hours of Watkins Glen, Coke 600 from the NIS side. Um, get to later in the year, everybody's happy about the Bristol 500. Um, you know, quite a few IMSA races, uh, the SCCA runoffs again at VIR, uh, a little short tracking at the Winter Derby, and then it'll conclude with the Chili Bowl. So, um, really, to me, 
probably the big surprise was the uh, Brickyard 400. I'm not sure about you guys. Yeah, I want the Southern 500 back. Come on, please. Southern 500 at Darlington. Well, did, anyway. any, did anybody notice what's not on there that we wondered about? There's no Indy 500. There's no Lamar 24. Not sure we're anybody surprised about that. No, no surprise. I think some of us just wanted to see it on there. No, they still have a few months to sort it out. If, you know, they could put it on late in the game. Yeah, I'm sure they would do that if they had the opportunity. Wasn't Martinsville typically on here, too? The full-length Martinsville? Ooh. Oh, my God. That oh, would be no. hell. That would yeah, literally be torture. No, that, no. You know what? That should be no, like literally a penalty for one of the protests. You get in trouble, and, and Nim sends you a message. You have to run a Martinsville 500. To get your license back. To get back on the service. I would but, trade... Oh, my bad. I would trade Bristol for this Southern 500. I 500 laps on Bristol. I, it's not I too bad. We did it a couple of years ago. It's not too bad. It was almost one one. Yeah, it's not too bad. What about the uh, Martinsville MX 500? That's pretty cool. So you got the uh, MX-5s, the global MX-5s at Martinsville. So if you guys remember, they went back uh, a few months ago and actually tested there in real life. So some uh, interesting things that could be coming down the road. I guess maybe iRacing knows something we don't know. Well, you, you see the other co coercion with the Brickyard 400. You know, uh, NASCAR is going back to the Brickyard. Uh, obviously, and so we are too. And so, you know, maybe there is something to it with the uh, the Mazda MX-5s. So I know some of you guys have done things like the six-hour race or the Nurburgring 24. Uh, you plan on doing those this year? Oh, we'll certainly have several teams in the 24 of Daytona, and uh, try we'll try to run Sebring. Yeah, I usually just do the Daytona 24 myself. I've done Spa before. That's fun as well. I'm sure. I, I don't understand why they don't do a Mountain Washington special event. I mean, it's not going to be in any weekly series or anything like that. It's it's the only only track that kind of is geared towards a one special event type of thing that they can just, you know, maybe do qualifiers for and maybe eliminations or something like that. I know you're not racing side by side, but I mean, they have the track. They, they obviously spent a lot of time scanning something like that. I don't understand why they can't put put a rate event in for that. You're right. It it's dead otherwise. Um I would I would participate in something like that. That's that would be cool. Now would making one event for that track get people to buy the track though? Maybe. Yeah, it could be. Well, are any of these other special events dead otherwise? Well, I don't think so. Not track, exactly. No, so that might be part. That might be part of your justification. They're not going to set up a special event for something that's just pretty much dead. Right. All, all pretty much all these tracks are in some kind of rotation, one way or the other. Well, you you got to look at Mount Washington as a. It's not dirt oval. It's not dirt road. It's not road. It's not oval. It's its own thing. You know, it's a point to point, and so. You know, to Brian's point, you know, why leave it out? Because they do run a special event at Mount Washington once a year. You know, let's coincide with that and let's run our own. Um, yeah, as far as the not having the finale and the NIS being full distance, I'm okay with that because, 
you know, Phoenix. Yeah. But uh, I don't know about Bristol 500. I'd rather have uh, Darlington. But as far as Coke 600 and Daytona 500, you can't change those. I mean, you always got to have those. When's the last time they did the Bristol 500? Because I can remember doing that back in probably maybe 14 or 15, maybe 16. It was either two or three years ago. Yeah, two or three, yeah. I'd rather run a full distance Bristol than I would Martinsville. Yeah, so I was thinking, um, <laughs> so you guys are, I, I didn't run Martinsville this year, um, but so all those cautions are in a shortened, shortened race. <laughs> yeah, a, a 250 lap race and you spend 150 laps under caution. No joke, <laughs> every, every single one of the races. All right, so while I was trying to take us before I skipped over the topic is we have a video on Overtake GG which is kind of basically a review of the update. Just a quick video format hit of all the updates in season one. Um, Mac, uh, you told me about this video where she said something about the rain. I don't think that we really were clear about. Yeah. um, The start of the video, she says basically right away, she goes, there's no rain, but by the sounds of what she's saying, they're expecting it to come in the next couple months. I think is what I'm understanding from it. Well, Greg Rice has put out a message more, saying that it's fairly imminent. Right. Greg Hill told us it was imminent. She basically took it a little bit further and said, I think I would want to put words in her mouth, but I think it was like, it'll be out before the next build, you know, kind of thing. Again, I think the thing everybody needs to remember is Greg has said multiple times that this is going to be for a select number of cars, and at no point has he ever mentioned IMSA. It'll be a while probably before you see an IMSA. We had a, we had a quick patch hit, Justin. Yeah, iRacing put out a new patch, Season 1, Patch 1, Release Notes, and it's a, it's a series of things that they've updated. Um, anything sticks out to you guys? Damage model changes. Uh, they put that in bold on several different cars. Um, and I think the reason it's in bold is that was the reason for the patch. Uh, but it says for the new damage model, fixed an issue where wheels could reattaching incorrectly when fast repairs were used. I'd like to have a video of that. Wasn't there a graphics glitch that got fixed as well? I think it was the uh, shadows in the car. All I know is I was going through all of the cube maps one night, and it was literally like I was I was having a seizure because everything was flashing so bad. The other thing I noticed is the new tracks they they just put out Mugello, Okiyama, lots of cleanup as I call it. Like Barney the Flagman was added, uh, tire walls, tire stacks, catch catch finches optimized for rendering performance. Uh, it, you know, all this additional, like additional speakers and security cameras have been deployed around the track. Um, water drains have been added to the track's surface. The optimization thing always, I don't know, I just find it interesting. I mean, they, they release it. It's going to be have upgraded graphics. Everybody starts to complain and then magically they can make it run better. Why not just do it like that from the very beginning? There are some things that just will never show up until you throw it out to thousands of people. To me, it seems like they're not done with it. They release it. Oh, we still have you know a week's worth of work. 
we're just going to put it out as a patch. And that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, I mean, I turned some laps at uh, Okayama, uh, the MX-5, and uh, it track looks great. Um, you know, a few spots that this is before the patch. I mean, there were a few spots where I, I dropped some frames, but uh, I really didn't have any issues. But again, I know there's guys that are probably running on PCs that have been around for quite a few years, and I'm sure there were some issues. All right, Brad, I think you mentioned you kind of teased this article earlier. So go ahead and pick this next one up. Yeah, so this was a, uh, a video with uh, Tony Kanan and Micro Center. Um, you know, I guess he's partnered with them, and they're they're carrying some of uh, his stuff. Uh, again, Micro Center, you know, is carrying I think Simu Cube, uh, Cube controls, uh, all kinds of of stuff that um, typically we've had to you know you kind of had to buy online, and you don't get to look at it. Um, so, you know, huge opportunity. If you've got a Micro Center near you, you can go and actually pick up some of the stuff and, and look at it. Um, you know, that's to me, that's that's just huge. Um, you know, we are a very niche market when it comes to stuff, especially from a, um, a merchandise and a, a, and a brand or a mass uh, availability when it comes to a store. So, um, yeah, I think it's that's pretty cool. Uh, I think the closest one to me is Charlotte. So I may have to do a road trip at some point just so I can go look at stuff. Yeah. You know, Micro Center is probably the single most change in the sim hardware market in quite some time at least here in the u.s because like you said before micro center you literally can't go anywhere to put your hands on these things and um, to be able to order you know from them and have it shipped for free and that kind of stuff like when i got my new wheelbase i had to get a new sim lab front mount uh, because I had one for Fanatec and I was switching companies. So I had to buy an, a new uh, mount uh, to go with my rig. And I got it from Micro Center because it was easy, you know, and it was it was free shipping for this, you know, 60 pound piece. And, uh, you know, you can't go wrong with that. You're buying within the United States and so forth. So, um, you know, they go through this video and they show, like you said, all the different partners they, they partnered up with SimLab, Cube Controls. Gomez. Yeah, I, I was at a micro center last week and I sat in their sim and, and turned some laps at Daytona in an LMB car. It was awesome. I mean, they have, uh, yeah, they got a semi cube. They have good stuff on their, on their, um, I race their setup and it is I racing by the way. And, uh, yeah, they have, um, yeah, semi cube two pro. They had uh, Gomez wheel, let's pedals. I mean, it's top notch stuff that they have for their display and all that stuff's available in the store to purchase or online like i said well that just goes to show you how much sim racing has grown in the last three four years when you when you can buy these these things at you know your local retail store go see it in person that means there's a huge growing market for it i'd like to see a, a national chain I, I don't know if you'd call Micro Center National. I mean, they're not in Phoenix. So, but what about Best Buy? You know, if Best Buy started selling this stuff, that would be huge. Well, I think they will. It's going to happen because the, there's so much growth in in the sim racing industry. I think eventually they're going to see there's a market for it and, and they're going to do it. As a competitor to Micro Center, if, if if Best Buy finds out Micro Center selling the stuff, Best Buy will figure out a way. Well, I know Best Buy in Canada, they already sell um, wheels and stuff. 
Uh, I think they're just Logitech ones. I don't know if they sell any direct drives, but they obviously sell some of that stuff, so I don't know why they wouldn't expand and start selling more. It's just a matter of uh, the connection between the manufacturer of the equipment and the and the retailer, you know, and, and obviously Micro Center, you know, through their partnership with Tony Kanon, his, Tony has introduced all these companies to Micro Center. He's brought in Simicube, you know, Sim Labs, Gomez, Cube Controls, and so forth. All these high-end Sim companies that, you know, and they make agreements with Micro Center and it works. Yeah, I mean, and real quick, I just think it's, it's, um, you want to support people who support your hobby too. You know, if I had the option to buy something at Best Buy or, or Micro Center right now, even if it didn't have anything to do with sim racing, I'm going to go to Micro Center because they support the hobby that I enjoy. Yeah. If, I mean, if I had the store local, I would enjoy actually getting to go pick it up instead of having to wait it wait for it to come in ship, shipping anyways as well. Yeah. I mean, I just on their website, 26 locations. So they're not a small chain. Um, so. You know, it's, I mean, it's kind of back to the days where, um, you know, if anybody remembered CompUSA, you know, it was nice to be able to go somewhere and actually pick up computer hardware and pieces to where you didn't have to order something and wait forever. So I think it's huge. So they're not a small chain, and California didn't used to be a small track. However, uh, Steve Phelps has reported uh, recently in a uh, media availability at some point that we have renderings of what the racetrack will look like, and it will be a short track for sure. And that yeah. quote in the tweet uh, leaves out uh, the part about we have renderings of what the racetrack will look like from iRacing and that it will be a short track for sure. So why did they dot, dot, dot that out? Yeah, he only got 140 characters with Twitter. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this is a tidbit. Uh, you know, hey, NASCAR is still relying on iRacing for designing these tracks. We got the president of NASCAR talking about it. That's pretty cool. So to, to follow up from one short track to the next, um, North Wilkesboro Speedway has posted on, on X. Um, they've repaved, and uh, gosh, this track looks good. Um, I definitely think it's time for a rescan. Is the pit wall different, Brad? I can't tell. Like, if they'd redone pit road or something, or is that still the same? I think it looks like they've replaced asphalt. I don't know if they did anything with the concrete, but um, I mean, again, just the track looks looks awesome. And the entire center, just smooth paved, except for the one, uh, the emergency infield medical center. That's the only building on the infield. So, are they going to put the haulers on the infield, or? My guess is, you know, years ago when we used to go to Martinsville, you know, you'd have the haulers there during the weekend, but they take the haulers out before the race. So I think that's what they did this past year. Um, haulers were in there, but then they moved them out before the race. So typically, that's what they'll do. Um, like I said, they used to have at Martinsville. Um, so, but again, just uh, eye racing. Hello, time for a rescan. Rescan, right. You know, this thing looks so good. I just wonder if they're going to, at some point, add a add a race on the schedule for North Wilkesboro in addition to the All-Star race. I would I would prefer it just stay as the All-Star. Um, you can maybe run some support races. I mean, maybe do something else, but the uniqueness is the All-Star race. Um, you know, don't don't muddy it up. That's one thing NASCAR Rockingham. Teams. 
That's one thing that NASCAR keeps doing. Whenever there's something comes up and it's really good while it's unique, they then turn around and do it like six times, and that ruins it. Yeah, if you remember, Eldora with the trucks was a great, great thing. And then it's like, well, we just got to do it everywhere. So we'll just go ahead and do it in Bristol, and we'll run all the series there. Or even with the road courses. I yeah, really liked the did the, the Charlotte Roval, right. And then all of a sudden, we have a bunch of road courses. Okay, so if they rescan this, we need two different versions, right? We need the old version that we currently have and then the new version. Or would they replace it and just have one? Didn't they, when they when Daytona repaved, didn't they keep like a legacy version or something of Daytona at one point? Yeah. I think they'll be different enough. They should have two different versions. Yeah, I mean, we're running uh, the B races, Xfinity races this week, our uh, Texas legacy. So, yeah, I say keep it. Let's have it as a legacy. All right, next up, we have the 2024 Season 1 FIAF4 regional starting. Um, what's particularly interesting about this is that every region is running a completely different schedule. It's based on where you live, yeah, the track selection. So if you're a U.S.-based or uh, North America-based, you're going to be running American and Canadian tracks, basically. Yep. I like the idea. Now, I tried this uh, for a while last season. I, I got out of it, and the reason was it's open setup. Um, same reason I mentioned before with DraftMeister. I mean, I, I, I'm not ready to buy setups. I can't make a setup. I don't have one. And the fix is it's out to lunch. Uh, you know, my call out to iRacing, we got to have better fixed setups that are that can compete with open setups from that you can get from these setup shops. I mean, for, for the average iRacer who doesn't have the funds to buy setups, they can't run this stuff. Uh, I would agree. The thing is, though, I don't know, with setups, when you start really working towards the pro setups, the your lower level racers can't race those because they'll, they'll just be too loose. Can't drive it too loose. That's why they make these fixed setups so tight, right? Yeah, especially so if you get down to your lower, lower I ratings. Well, or then then give an option of a baseline, a tight, and a loose. Um, you know, I, I think for somebody who's remember, you know, who got into this years ago, you know, like for me. I'll actually look and try to compare and see what's different between the setups. And that helps you learn, you know, what to then change and whatnot. So, but I agree. Typically, most of the setups are just horrible. All right. This one, Brad, I think you're the one who needs to talk about this one, right? Yeah. So last night was the RFK uh, Holiday Showdown. So uh, it was at Michigan International Raceway. Actually started 48 cars. Um I had some some big hitters in there. Caden Huddycutt was in the race. Uh, very stout field. Um, had a good time. Uh, it was it was unique. It was fun to try to, to actually do. Uh, it was an eighty lap race, but they did they did in uh, two stage breaks. So we did stage break at lap twenty, full course yellow, and then one at lap forty, and then had a forty lap run to the end. Um, it was good. It was fun. Um, ended up starting twenty seventh 
I mean, yeah, 27th and finished 22nd. So uh, it, it was it was fun. Um, we'll talk about that, I guess, when we get to results some. But just a really neat neat thing. Was hoping that uh, I guess everybody kind of thought like I did that Busher was going to be running in it. But at the end of the day, I think this was more of a way of celebrating his win there um, back last season. So. But, uh, yeah, missed the winter league race to this, but uh, it was fun. It was broadcast. My wife sat upstairs and actually watched the entire race. She was like, I saw you. So it's pretty neat. Hey, Chris Buescher wasn't even in the race? No, no. <laughs> well, you, I, the whole idea is to open it up for fans to run with, you know, I guess is the idea, right? Yeah, but like I said, it was a it was a stacked field. There were some, some heavy hitters in there. Um, and with that, you know, comes – attitudes at times too so but it was it was it was fun rep the uh the podcast paint scheme so hopefully maybe got a little bit of, i haven't had a chance to go back and watch the race um but hopefully a little bit of air time for us right we like we're liking the roush uh, uh resurgence thanks to brad k um i've always been a fan of roush back in the day when they had five cup cars and they were the team to beat uh they were unstoppable i'd love to see them get back to that Yep. I was never a Roush fan, but I've always been a Keselowski fan. So, um, yeah, that's that's my, my link to it there now. So it's, it's, it's good to see what they're doing. Uh, I think next year is going to be a great year for them as well. Um, and they're doing some other stuff too. Uh, I think Stage 60, they're going to do like an all-star car as well. So I think there's a lot of good stuff coming out of that, that organization. All right, moving on, we have a couple of different items hitting on the new – Oval refresh. We've got uh, a tweet from Michael Gass that Femi Alatum Bossum also replied to, as well as it looks like a video, a YouTube review. Yeah, so Femi um, said he ran the first B open, and I agree with this take. Phase one of the iRacing Oval refresh has potential to bring more dynamic racing than what we, we have had with a dynamic track from a few years ago. And then Michael Guest, who is also a, a former Coke driver, uh, crazy watching all the negativity last week concerning dynamic tracks. As I'm watching the official races tonight, I'm not sure iRacing could have done a much better job considering the tires that were on and that is only phase one of the oval update. Um, these are real positive takes from my point of view of what, you know, the oval refresh. And then you have uh, DJ EJ, he put up a video uh, also saying that he liked what he has seen with the oval refresh. He specifically mentioned, David, um, that new line that you found where you go high and then you're able to do this really late apex and drive it down to the bottom. Uh, he said that's more prevalent now. Um, and uh, you know, this hook in the bottom in the Arca is not the way to go now. So it, it has definitely changed uh, the racing, at least from his point of view. Yeah, I mean, I can say just from, from running last night at Michigan, the, the line changed continually. I mean, the beginning of a run, you, 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 if the car was way too free, like through three and four, if you tried to run about a lane, a lane and a half up, it, it just was snap loose. Um, but when you got later the run, you could get back down there and run there. So I uh, was moving the car around a lot last night, just trying to find speed. So I, I definitely think it's a huge improvement. I don't know if I personally have noticed it yet, but we'll see as the as my races go on. But it's very encouraging to hear all these positive reports about it. 
I've turned some laps in the B car um, at Texas this week and had noticed that you get about 15 laps into a run, and if you're trying to hook the bottom through three and four, it is murder trying to, to get back on the gas. It is so loose. But if you move up about a half to, to a lane, you, you've got grip again. So now again, DJ, UJ talks about that a little bit, but it is nice to, to start to have to explore a little bit, you know, where your line is as opposed to just throwing it in there and running the same line right lap after lap after lap well back in the day brad before the original dynamic track that's the way it worked i mean you had to hook the bottom every single lap and it was always the same every lap too yep very static you know and if you got off you got off and so i'm very encouraged um and again i you know this is only phase one so i can only hope that good things are still yet to come all right we want to let you know that team conti week one setups are available so go to uh i don't have their address handy it's uh, team conti dot gg that okay there you go slash collections slash uh Etc. There's you can just go to our show notes and you can click straight on it. But all the week one setups are available, so go check that out. And they were touting a lot of their. Uh, they won a lot of the races uh, on Monday night, uh, the first uh, night of the uh, season. Uh, B open, I think the SOF, the highest SOF, uh, um, and then I think maybe A open too, but. Um, Logan Clampett was saying that it was he ran the Team Conti setup and won the B Open SOF race with it. So, so far, so good. It looks like they got winning sets. Yeah, I've, this is I've, one I need to watch because it looks like DJ EJ has posted a video for uh, tricks that Iris has used for the best qualifying. Yeah, so he goes through quite a few of these um, from getting your tires to bounce to the old hold the brake and gas to heat up the tires. Um, you know, like we said earlier, there's there's always thoughts of exploits. Um, you know, but here he touches on stuff that technically is legal. Um, but yeah, dragging the brake to warm up your tires before qualifying. Um, I guess at certain tracks you can find areas where the track's a little bumpy and that actually cools the tires, if I remember correctly. So again um yeah I, I don't think we're much different from real life racers sometimes they find things and we'll, we'll do things i think we've you know seen things through the years i think i remember like f1 dragging tires off of, to the grass or something at one point so uh you know it's different stuff virtual or real we're always looking for an advantage yeah uh, another thing you mentioned was staying off the wall right uh, don't don't drive too close to the wall because the air bubble will slow you down a little bit it's something i never really thought about and probably has slowed down some of my qualifying times especially at super speedways i would think yeah i've always hugged the wall on qualifying at super speedways so that's i didn't know that so i'm gonna have to try that at the next one and see if i can be a little bit faster then yeah that's, that's important that's important just when running this running the high line at the super speedways too in, in a pack uh, so you'll start to see some guys who will get all the way up on the wall to, um and side draft the wall and, and as a result slow down yeah i mean i think uh, we talked about this like when i got back in at the end of the summer you know running talladega and we were talking about qualifying and i was like so i'm going to run the wall first lap and i think mike was like no don't run the wall the first lap. <laughs> you know that's changed since i got back on the service 
All right, let's run down the list of events. Justin, we'll kick it, kick those off first with the race for mental health. Yeah, YouTuber Jimmy uh, Broadbent is hosting a charity race to benefit mental health. Uh, he's got a 23 hours race around around Zolder with some of the coolest people in the community. And he's got a link, a couple links here to watch and donate. And it seems like a pretty cool little thing. Um, a good way to give back. Now, what's this already happened, by the way, on December 9th. But what is neat about it is, is the incentives that he's listed here. If he gets to 5K, he's going to take a teaspoon of Tabasco. If he gets to 10K, he's going to do a mustache jimmer. I'm not sure what a mustache jimmer is. Somebody look that up. I don't know if I want to say that. Uh, 15K, he's going to eat boiled carrot. If he gets 20K, it's bald cap time. What now, see, that, that, one, that one would not really work for our content, our, our podcast, would it? You just look at the screen. Yeah. So the Sorry. 25K, wax his leg on stream. 30K, wear a maid outfit on stream. And finally, 37.8K, he's going to have a hot, to hot tub stream uh, with Misha. So I went to the uh, the link there to where you can to donate, and apparently they raised uh, over 54K. So Holy there God. you go. Yeah, 40K so he says to be determined, so I don't know. Maybe he has something diabolical thought up. So speaking of giving back, um, on a holiday sale for new iRacers. Uh, iRacing posted on X, Tis the Season, give the gift of sim racing this year with our iRacing holiday sale, so 50% off for all new memberships. Yeah, for new accounts. And then the Sean Timberman Memorial event is fast approaching December 21st. I actually saw he's got uh, events set up in the league section. Uh, he needs everyone to join the league. He's going to try to have the biggest dirt event ever. Uh, we need everybody to join in. Uh, you can find it by searching Sean Timmerman Memorial in the league section of iRacing. And the last major iRacing event, I believe, is the Chili Bowl. That's uh, already started, hasn't it? December 11th through 17th, Monday through Friday time slots. You stay 10 a.m. and 9 p.m. Uh, and then there's a Saturday super session. So it's, uh, I guess, the kind of qualifier runs are happening now. Yeah, still time to get involved if you want to uh, get involved the big event Saturday. Podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find the podcast. Mention us to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check us out on Discord and get involved in the conversation. And our show notes are on the web at irisserslounge.com. We're in regular rotation at Performance Motorsports Network and get our merchandise at irisserslounge.shop. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, John, tell us about a 35K rig. Well, I want one. That's what I can tell you about it. I did watch this video and uh, Charlie Ferrer 
got a $35,000 uh, Podium One motion rig with, I think these are 43-inch uh, triples. Got a fourth monitor on the top. But this thing rocks. Um, he, he went through great details, uh, what it has. And this thing is turnkey. I mean, everything is preloaded on the PC. You plug it in. It, it came in a huge crate assembled for him. So my advice after watching this video is, guys, if you got thirty-five grand, buy it today. Now, one thing I noticed is that if, if he's got the triples, you know, full out out there, and even with that aspect ratio, you can see his dashboard because they're t so tall. He's got enough space. That's why I love these giant triples, David. That's my next thing I want to get is the giant triples, like 43s. Yeah, I think my wife walked over my shoulder. She said, what you looking at? I said, this guy built a $35,000 rig. She said, divorce. <laughs> now, John, the difference here is you could go yourself and buy all these parts, and you could put this rig together, and it would cost a lot less than $35,000. So the reason it's that much is it's turnkey, like you said. He's paying for a service. Uh, these guys are based out of Nashville. They have a new warehouse they just put together. It's really nice. Um, he's got staff. Uh, right now, like he's flying to L.A. to install a couple rigs. Like he, he goes out and installs them, too. Like he'll show up when the crate shows up and... He'll tweak it and make sure it's right. So you really get the white glove service. Like if you buy this from this guy, you're not turning a wrench. You're not putting anything together. This guy's putting everything together for you. He's installing the software. He's configuring everything. You're just sitting down and literally racing. So I'm going to make a guess. The hardware is 25K. Probably a good guess. I mean, because the, the 35K is shipping and everything. The service alone is just worth it. I I mean, for example, I bet you I've had my rig now. This month will be a year, actually. And I bet you not until this month I got my FOV right. Just tweaking it, moving it around, actually knowing what to do. I, I mean, I got thousands of minutes of YouTube FOV videos. And it took those SimLab monitor mounts just to get the distortion out where I can line everything all up. But yeah, I would have paid just for that. Well, my my conclusion on this was, so yeah, I, th I mean, like you say, David, it's twenty five thousand bucks worth of hardware. But if you got twenty five to spend on hardware, you probably got you probably somebody's got another ten just to let somebody do this for you, set it up and get it right. And you might be working a job where you don't have ten thousand dollars worth of time to to put into it. Yeah, I'm really impressed with these guys, uh, Podium One Racing out of Nashville. Um, follow them on Instagram and watch their journey. But they've really grown. They they started in his, you know, garage, I think, and now they got actual warehouse, and he's got people on staff building these things, you know, 24 seven. He's got he's got more orders than he knows what to do with, apparently, too. Yeah, you know, and I think the the rig the the uh, or the frame is a track racer one twenty, I believe is what what. So they're buying these parts and they just put it together for you. The way they're doing it is they're putting it together in Nashville in the warehouse and then they're creating them, 
except for the monitors okay so the whole rig is put together ahead of time and then they fly out and meet the crate and basically finish putting it together with the monitors i'm too cheap i spent a week putting mine together and i was happy to do it but i could never afford that well i can't tell if we can afford the next one or not because i don't think it's going to have a price listed yet but the amg gt3 button box is available soon it features a real carbon faceplate and cnc machined body it comes from simworks simulators it looks nice it's obviously modeled off of the the actual internals of a mercedes gt3 yeah very cool um you know, if, if that's all you race, I think that's that's awesome. Or if you do this in real life and you race a a, a Mercedes uh, AMG, I think it's great. From somebody who's looking for button boxes and looking for versatility, something like this doesn't work. Um, but again, lots of high end stuff like this, so very cool. That brake bias button up at the top or the knob, that's unique. Uh, it's kind of set up above the actual button box, kind of on its own. Uh, I haven't seen that before. Well, this is designed where it would probably sit right right in the center console, uh, right in front of the gear shift. So it, it, the buttons would probably be right there in a real car, and the brake bias is just up a little bit higher at, uh, on a different angle with, with the rest of the dash. Now it says available soon. We don't have a price. It's not on their website, but it is a beauty. So we'll be talking about this one again. So continuing with the uh, hardware, fast, fast pasta rig, uh, Anthony Alfredo shows off his current sim rig in a little short video. So um, pretty neat setup he's got. Um, he's got motion uh, monitors and stuff. So I think it's about a 23 second video, but uh, it's pretty neat. Um, it's nice to see drivers kind of showing off what they've got. Um, I always enjoy that. Yeah. And you get to see his streaming equipment too if you're interested in such things he's got that new logitech uh, light bars above the left and right monitor to light up his face uh, for the video he's got a mic a really nice mic stand to get that mic down in his face and so forth all right mike i know you kind of got hella excited about the next one yeah i mean we've talked about this on the show before i think brian reminded me but Every time I see it, I'm like, take my money. I mean, this is a thermal takes uh, helicopter styled open frame full tower case for PC. And it basically kind of looks like a Apache helicopter body <laughs> without the, the propellers. It looks like a dust nightmare. It's got an open architecture kind of thing, right? So that's why you're saying dust nightmare. I think that's a little more than open. Well, it's a good point, especially here in Arizona. Uh, there's a dust problem here. Yeah, like Brad, I, I don't sit there and stare at my case. So, Yeah, I can hear my wife saying, honey, shut the door. There's a draft coming in. Yeah, I mean, mine's located on the backside of my center monitor. So it's got, you know, it's got R RGB or whatever. I have no idea because I never even see it. Well, it's a good point. Mine kind of is hidden as well. So you wouldn't even see it. It's kind of funny, though. I still think it looks cool. Think about, think about what the 90s computer boxes look like, right? They're all just pretty much plain white or plain. I don't even think you could get them in black cases for, for a long time. And now they're becoming furniture pieces. You know, we oh, got a yeah. sneaker. Yeah, there's some high-end stuff out there. But again, you know, 
like I said, I, I can't even see mine. Um, and unfortunately, it's even the way it's turned, the glass side of it that's got all the, the neon lights and stuff is facing away from me because that's the way it needed to sit in order for me to get the rig set up right. All right, uh, Mac, this next one's interesting. Is, is it some kind of DIY formula room? Yeah, um, Pocorini Engineering will help you build, build your own formula room, and you can soon pre-order their new rally button plate. Uh, this actually looks like a pretty cool rim. Um, I can't see what the DIY part of it though is, though. Is that just you pick what buttons you want type thing? I'm not sure, or if it's literally just you get to assemble it yourself, because uh, <laughs> it has DIY in the post. Well, the what, what you do is you go to their website, which which is the pokiorniengineering.com, and then you hit Let's Build, and then they have DIY files, 36 euros, okay? You get a file for how to build the thing, like uh, 3D printed, I guess? Yeah, okay, I'm seeing that now. Anybody got a 3D printer laying around that can borrow? Um, at my school, actually. So is it almost just like a file for a parts list type thing? And then like the, the 3D printing files, probably? Because obviously you'd have to buy the switches and stuff, too. See, if you scroll down, you can see some of the other accessories like that you buy to go with this, what you're printing. So I don't know. It's a, if you're DIY, this is something you should check out. Uh, I'm definitely not the DIY kind of guy. Oh, I see. They have the DIY projects, so all the wheels, and then they have all the DIY parts. So you can go and buy each part separately and then just actually build the wheel then. So do they sell the parts too? Yeah, they have like the computer boards and stuff for them, it looks like, the screens, the buttons. I mean, looking just at the Instagram account, I mean, there's some great looking stuff on here. But again, I'm like Mike. Um, yeah, I'm not my wheelhouse. All right. I'm confused by this next one. Is this a new sim base or a, a new uh, Diddy base? Yeah, it's uh, VNM. Uh, we know them from their pedals. Um, they they came onto the scene, I don't know, in the last year or so with some pedals. Uh, they're from Vietnam. That's what the VNM stands for, I think. Um, but they are going to have a direct drive wheelbase and their own formula wheel as well. And uh, they got a, a drawing of it up on their Instagram. They have a D-shaped wheel as well. It's a more a GT type, type wheel. Now, I don't know if they have distribution yet where you can get this, this stuff uh, here in North America or not. But uh, they're one of those new companies kind of coming up. So we got to keep our eye on them. But it looks like they're going to have a direct drive base for sure. Uh, it looks like Advanced Sim Racing sells the VNM products. Oh, there you go. They don't have the, the wheel on here, though, just the pedals and shifters and stuff like that. Yeah, they only gave us a drawing of that direct drive. Uh, but we do have an actual photo of the uh, D-shaped Alcantara version uh, wheel. That looks very, very similar to the uh, Sim Magic. You can't have too many manufacturers. I, I love the, it'll drive down pricing. Well, they're well known for their pedals, Mike, but we have uh, Huskinville uh, with a new MagShift handbrake. Boy, this thing is a beauty. I like the look of it. Um, 
we've seen this before uh, a week or two ago, but we, now we have a video from Dave Cam. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, it, it, it's a beauty. Um, and it works with magnets. You know, they have like a magnet thing in it, uh, you know, for the switch part of it. I haven't watched this video yet, but just by looks, you know, I got a Huskenbeld shifter, the original one, and this is a night and day difference between looks on quality. I mean, the original one is just simple. It does its job. It shifts. And yeah, I'd love to have this someday. Yeah, well, this is not a shift. Though. This is a handbrake. Oh, shit. Oh, it no, is. Oh, no, it is a sequential shifter. Excuse yeah. me. Why was I thinking handbrake? They have a handbrake that's that's rather similar to it. So, uh, yeah, this is on the wish list for me. Oh, um, well, it says handbrake on on our script. That's why I was thinking. So handbrake. wait. So what is it now? Is it a shifter or a handbrake? <laughs> it is, it's a shifter. Yes. Yeah, it's it's actually a shifter slash button box. It's got three buttons on it that you can program him about i think six different functions according to dave cam and he he drooled on this thing he said it's it's the best of the best but uh it ain't cheap but uh, you know i've got the sprint pedals you know they're one of the original um companies that got into this this market years and years ago and they literally stand behind everything they do i mean i can't tell you how how well their customer service is you you know, people that buy stuff second and third hand will have an issue and reach out and they'll send them parts. So, again, great support. That's that's why I went with them when I built my rig this time for pedals. So it's like, you know what? I drooled over these years ago. I'm just going to go ahead and pull the trigger. So this is on the wish list. My hope one day is that they come out with, because, you know, they have the upgrade from the sprints to the ultimates. I hope they go from ultimates to hydraulic setup. I could buy that. That's my dream. I've had hydraulics. Um, that's what I had. I had Mike's pedals, the main performance uh, pedals on my, my rig years ago, um, which was nice. But I really do like the sprints. I really do. And they're bulletproof. I mean, they're basically bulletproof. Is there a problem with elastomers wearing out or getting fragile or... No, I don't think so. And you know what? If they did, I probably if I if I called them, they'd probably send me a new set at no charge. Right now, like I'm on the so I got the ultimates. There's I think there's five stiff stiffness settings. Five being the stiffest, and I'm on four. And my first one or two percent is kind of just a tick soft. Then it gets hard. So I'm thinking about actually upping it to the five step. Well, you want a little, you you want that little bit of dead zone. So that's that's to simulate from the the pedal the pad going to the to the rotor. So you want that. You you want that's the way they're designed. They're designed to give you that little bit of dead zone right there at the beginning. So, I mean, again, I I like remind little car. just like a real car. So. Okay, so now we're going to talk results. Let's move on to results. We're going to talk the winter series uh, league race. It, uh, or excuse me, not the league race. We're going to talk the winter uh, NIS series. John, uh, you missed the race thanks to COVID. Uh, I ran top split. 
got wrecked by somebody from behind with four minutes optional damage or got most out of it by uh, running around the back until about 44 to go. Uh, a guy was pushing me down to the bottom, came up just a little bit, turned off his nose, hard into the wall, upside down, 34 minutes damage and did not finish. Uh, David, you were, uh, don't have your finish here. Well, this is actually the league. We put the league here at the top. This is actually supposed to be the league because that's oh, kind of the only thing we've got going on now. So you didn't put, I don't, where, where did you put winter series? Did you put it down towards the bottom? We've been doing winter series first. I didn't do it. It's at the top. Yeah, that's what this is, is at the top. So. Well, that confused me. All right, I'll so how'd you do in the league race? There was a league race last night? Oh, well, I, I guess I forgot about it because I wrecked out so early. Oh, yeah, you left quick, pretty quick. <laughs> nah, I, um, I was slow and started just trying to get fast and in the process put it in the wall coming out of the bus stop meatball. It's just I had no speed. And, um, you know, not, I guess just rusty from not really spending any other time practicing on that track other than the one hour before the race. So whatever, it's it's Watkins Glen, not my best track anyway. Yeah, Greg ran with us. Greg Hector's got a P5, nice run for him. Um, I ran, I think I finished uh, 18th. Uh, I think I got what I deserved. Um, pretty uneventful race. Um, and then Brad, you missed it because you ran the RFK event. And then Justin, you were in it. Uh, you finished seventeenth. Uh, yeah, I'm. That's the real course is my weak point in this sim. So I just wanted to stay on track. I only got a three X. I was super proud of that, and I can honestly say I got better. I started out in one fifteens, got down to one fourteens. I was run thirteenth consistently, and I did a twelve point eight. So I slowly got better. You were tiptoeing at the beginning. I left you in the dust, but you were just being careful. Okay, what else do we got? Um, Sunday fixed, uh, Justin P1. Oh yeah, I got it kind of a little mixed up here. I was just gonna say I had um, only one opportunity on each series fixed and opened Sunday because my wife's family was in town from Brazil her hometown so i had to give her time with that and i got a p5 and a p6 p5 in the open and a p6 in the fix and that's still at the end of week five i'm leading both series on points so i'm just going to keep doing that yeah i ran i don't remember what i got and then mckenzie p1 what a nice win first win of the year yeah it was uh it was a while since my last win. It was a struggle, but yeah, um, I started 13th. I got some early damage, stayed on the lead lap, just ended up riding my way back up. Uh, I was in the top three within the last 40 laps of the race. Uh, P2 coming to the green-white checker, took the white flag, and then just took the guy on the inside and won it by two one hundredths of a second as I was getting turned sideways across the line. That was that was definitely a exciting win there. Definitely hard to go to sleep after though. I was I was pretty fired up. It was awesome. Yeah, that's a great win. Well done. Wednesday open, John P three. 
yeah, I started in the back on this one, I think P25, and I took it real easy for the first two-thirds of the race. Just, I thought, man, I don't want to mess up my tires, and I finally started driving fast the last, I don't know, 30, 35 laps, and everything I did worked. I mean, I was actually, I got to thank Nick Ottinger for giving me some help on how to run this track, and, and it worked, and I just tore it up the last third and made it up to P3. Yeah, these are kind of out of time order. And the McKenzie, you got a P2 in your first ever start. Yeah, this was for the the winter NIS also for the, the Wednesday Open. It was my first time running the 87 car. I just bought it like an hour before that race, did some practice. And yeah, I was, I was P2. I was restarted 10th with 15 to go. And I had long run speed, another lap or two. I probably would have passed the guy for the lead. But yeah, I did that on Wednesday and then to actually be able to take the win on the Friday or the Saturday. So I forget what day it was now, Sunday maybe? That was that was pretty sweet to do. Yeah, so a second and a first, basically. Yeah. Yeah, you can't beat that. Good job. Keep running that car. <laughs> yeah, I think All right, other, other stuff I ran, uh, FIA F4 fixed at Olton Olton Park. Uh, started 15th, got to 9th by the end of the first lap, fought my way clear up to finish 5th, fighting hard for 4th. Second race, I started 8th, got up to 3rd by lap 1, was able to hold it the whole race, P3. The third race I ran, I, did, I don't have it listed here, I basically wrecked out. Um, but I had two good finishes and then a wreck out and that kind of equaled everything out. But uh, yeah, fun running that car. I think I'm going to keep trying to run that the rest of the season the FIA F4 fixed uh, series. And then John, you ran a open P3. Yeah, that was today. Uh, started on the pole and I thought, man, I got to save tires. So I let a bunch of cars go by me and sure enough, they used up their cars, fell way back. And, and uh, you know, actually my lap times never fell off the entire race. This was at Kentucky. And uh, man, if I had just had five more laps, maybe I could have pulled off a win give up that track position early all right you also did some b open and c open yeah i've done a lot of those this week sitting here at home with COVID. i've had nothing else to do so uh but on the b opens i've i've had some good races bad races i started p23 on one of them and finished p2 uh on one race another race i finished p23 because i just banged the heck out of the wall coming out of turn two three times but uh, yeah, I had some fun and then did C open. Ran four of them this week and I was either really good or really bad. I finished 21, 27, and, or excuse me, 17 and 24 and then finally figured it out and got a P3 today. Nice run. And then we ran, uh, hosted Chris McGuire Supercars at Michigan. P2 I got. It was a pretty good race, but the leader got ahead of the pack by a few seconds during the green flag stops. I had no chance of getting to him. Uh, I actually thought I was racing for the lead and actually beat everyone in the pack I was racing, but it was for P2. That guy was like four seconds out in front of us. Uh, Brad, you ran with me uh, and got cleaned out. Yeah, it was just, again, you run into... <laughs> the supercars at Michigan, so it was fun, but yeah, no, no give and take in that race, unfortunately. All right, and then John, you jumped in as well. Your first uh, run in the supercar P12. 
yeah I, I went and bought that car right before the race and I was running P2 and all of a sudden it was just like out of nowhere a bomb hit me coming off the wall I ended up going back to P12 on that one those races were fun but uh, nobody's safe yeah and the races kept going so I continued on I um they actually ran one of the new tracks um, after that one, and I skipped it because I didn't own it. But the one after that was 87th at Talladega. Started in the back. I was in the hunt with the white, like hunt to win. I was like right there, but I got wrecked on the white. Uh, then we ran the 87th at Charlotte, and I actually missed the start because the beta UI sucks. It says can't connect to server. So I click it again. Can't connect to server. I click it again. Can't connect to server. Well. I'm out of time now, so I open the website and I'm able to join. Now, what happens when they take away the website after January uh, 1st in this situation? And I, I can't go to the website as a backup plan. I mean, how am I going to, I have to reboot my computer? I mean, it, it sucked. But anyway, I missed the start, got out there and ran the race anyway. Uh, John, you ran with me on this one. Yeah, once again, you know, I'm I'm cruising along, doing great, and got took out. You know, some guy banged on me three times, and the third time's a charm. He knocked me out. Right, and then the final race was trucks at Dirt Bristol. I started dead last and finished P10. And that's it. Let's jump to final thoughts. David Hall. Earlier, we were talking about gift ideas. Another really good gift idea would be uh, get, get yourself some iRacing merch, iRacing podcast merch so go to the store buy you something there's a lot of really neat stuff on there yeah get yourself a christmas present brian mccubbin uh so yeah so the uh winter refresh is still in progress everything's going well um i really kind of enjoying taking my time to um set everything back up the way i want it and um just the more work i do the more i chomp at the bit to get back in so um hopefully hopefully we'll see some track time really soon all right brad wren final thought uh, i had a good time with the rfk holiday race that was fun uh, but looking forward to getting back to do some official racing um you know some a open uh maybe some b and then i think i'm still gonna try to do the at the road series where it's a different car different track every week so i think this week's laguna seca and the uh GT4 Mercedes. So I'm going to try to get that in before the end of the week as well. So should be fun. All right. Very good. John Curley, final thought? Oh, just going to keep running some of the NASCAR ABNC races. And uh, I got to get that, that I rating up. I know we're not supposed to worry about it, but I do. So just having fun in the new rig. Well, for NIS next year, remember what division you're in for the whole year is set at what I rating you are at the beginning of the Daytona 500 week. And so you want to get it to where you want to run for the year. Um, so if you want to get, you know, you want to get your I rating up. So you're in a, a decent division. All right. Uh, Justin Pearson, final thought. Um, not much here. I'm just, like I mentioned before, I'm in that points battle. Uh, I got Indy tonight. I haven't turned a lap yet, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, I've been lucky um, on a lot of those races, but we'll try to keep that going. We'll see what happens. That'll be a nice championship. Keep at it. All right, Mackenzie Stevens, final thought. Yeah, not too much. Um, hoping I can get another win in before the end of the year here. Not a lot of time to do it, but uh, mainly just I want to 
work on my I rating, getting a better division for NIS there. So that's what I'm planning to do. Well, keep running that car. I mean, you got a second and a first. I mean, you'll just stack them up, man. Yeah, I don't know if it was that car or just that car and that track where I was fast. But, yeah, I'm going to keep trying it. All right, my final thoughts. Uh, yeah, just getting back in the groove of racing again. And it's been nice. Uh, had a lot of fun in the FIA F4 uh, races. Um, I think it's because I like the track and I know it pretty well. We'll see about next week, though. I don't even know what the track is. But if it's not a good track, it might be a little different. But hey, that's all I got. So we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.